Welcome to the Stop Drinking Podcast, where we help you make stopping drinking a simple, logical, and easy decision. We help you with tips, tools, and strategies to start living your best life when alcohol-free. If you want to learn more about Stop Drinking Coaching, then head over to www.soberclear.com. Elton John came into this world in 1947 in Middlesex, England, as Reginald Kenneth Dwight. He started playing piano at a young age and won a scholarship to the Royal Academy at only 11 years old. By that time, he was already composing songs. He would go on to study at the Academy for five years. At around 20 years old, the young Reginald changed his name to Elton John. In interviews, he has said that he just didn't like Reginald and had unhappy memories from the name. His second album, which released in 1970, made it all the way to number four on the US charts. In 1972, he had his first US number one album. He would follow that up with seven consecutive number one albums. But it was his 1973 work in Goodbye Yellow Brick Road that established him as arguably the number one musical star in the world. The album sold more than 30 million copies worldwide and to this day is regarded as his best piece of work. The rest was history. He would go on to sell over 300 million records, amass a fortune of half a billion dollars, earn a knighthood, and touch the hearts of millions of people around the world. But from mid-1970s all the way to 1990, while his career was soaring, Elton John was losing the battle with addiction. Prior to entering the world of music, he says that he had no experience with drugs. His first encounter with cocaine was in 1974, when his manager brought it into the recording studio. In interviews, he's mentioned that he doesn't remember exactly why he joined in, whether it was bravado or stupidity. Whatever the case, the first line of cocaine started a process of addiction that would last almost two decades. The way he describes it, the cocaine helped him overcome the shyness. It was the drug that he felt helped him open up and talk to people. Of course, it wasn't long before the drug started to have the exact opposite effect, leading him to retreat from the world and isolate himself at home. Apart from cocaine, his other major addiction was drinking. In a 2010 interview with Piers Morgan, he described a typical day in his life. I'd stay up, I'd smoke joints, I'd drink a bottle of Johnny Walker, and then I'd stay up for three days, and then I'd go to sleep for a day and a half, and get up because I was so hungry, because I hadn't eaten anything, I'd binge and have like three bacon sandwiches, a pot of ice cream, and then I'd throw it up, because I became bulimic. And then I'd go and do the whole thing over and over again. Now, his addiction nearly cost him his life, and on his own account, he came close to death on a number of occasions. Quote, I would have an epileptic seizure and turn blue, and people would find me on the floor and put me to bed. And then 40 minutes later, I'd be snorting another line. A good question is how all this alcohol and drug abuse actually interfered with his work. He says he was never particularly drunk whilst performing, but he would take cocaine prior to coming on the stage. And ironically, he thinks it's the fact that he was able to perform and keep on making hits for so long that kept him blind to his problems. Adding to that was the fact that he was able to stop for short periods of time. This gave him the illusion of control. But when he started using again, it would invariably be worse than before. Now, 1990 was the year that he finally sobered up, and it was the death of a teenage boy that served as the catalyst. Brian White was a hemophiliac teenager from Indiana. In 1984, at only 13 years of age, he was diagnosed with HIV AIDS, which he contracted from tainted blood products. When his school found out, they banned him, and his mother started a lengthy administrative process to have him reinstated. Ryan and his family's struggles attracted the attention of celebrities, and politicians, including Michael Jackson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, President Reagan, and more. 
But out of all of the celebrities, it was Elton John who struck up the closest friendship with the teen, even spending time with him at his deathbed in hospital. At Ryan's funeral, Elton was the pallbearer and he performed his song Skyline Pigeon. Ryan's death was a catalyst for changing public perceptions about HIV and AIDS. Soon afterwards, Congress passed the Ryan White Care Act, which created federal funding for sufferers of the condition. Little did Sir Elton know that the funeral would also be a major turning point in his own life. Bottom for me was being at, with Ryan White the week he died in Indianapolis, seeing his family so dignified, forgiving people that have been horrible to them, um, losing a child and having so much dignity, whereas I, in my life, would complain about everything. And I just knew at that point that my life was out of whack. I knew beforehand, but that was the point I really realized it. And months after that, I, I got sober and clean. That was a real big turning point for me. I knew I, knew I had a problem, and um, the, the hardest thing for me was I thought I could solve everything myself. You know, mm -hmm. I can do this. I'm intelligent. Right. I'm wealthy. I'm rich. I'm successful. Why can't I do this? I can do this. I couldn't. And, the, and for 16 years, I couldn't say, I need help. You know, that, mm -hmm. those three words which will save your life, I need help. And mm -hmm. as soon as I said that, I was away and haven't looked back since. Later that year, he checked into a Chicago rehab clinic. The problem he faced in finding a suitable clinic was that he needed somewhere that could deal with a drug, alcohol, and food addiction at the same time. Because by that point, his problems with bulimia had gotten out of hand. And the Parkside Lutheran Hospital in Chicago was the one facility that fit the bill. He stayed there for six weeks, during which time he experienced, quote, inconceivably enormous cocaine cravings. After his six weeks were up and he was discharged, he took an entire year off. This is how he described that year off in an interview with Larry King. I took that whole next year off and did what people told me to do. I listened for the first time in a long time. And I spent a long time on my recovery, doing the things that I sometimes went kicking and screaming. But I did them because I was told to do them. And it worked. I put a lot of time and effort into it because you just don't reverse that behavior instantaneously. You just can't change it overnight. You have to learn to become a human being again, basically. In 1998, the star received a kinghood from Queen Elizabeth II, becoming, in effect, the Sir Elton John that we know today. And after the ceremony, he stood outside the palace to have a few words with the reporters. Quote, I've had a long career and worked hard, but I think that the turning point came in 1990 when I got sober and started to do some charity work, particularly for the AIDS problem. A knighthood is the icing on the cake. The flamboyant star has also had ups and downs in his personal life. He first came out as bisexual in 1976. In 1983, he met his first wife, the German Renate Blau. I think I pronounced that right. Renate was a sound engineer working on one of his albums. After a whirlwind romance that lasted a few months, he proposed to her in a romance and they tied the knot just three days later on Valentine's Day. Now, that marriage soon deteriorated. And by the time Elton threw an extravagant party to celebrate his 40th birthday, 1987, Renate did not even show up. They divorced the year after. After he sobered up, Elton John's personal life took a decisive turn for the better. In 1993, three years after rehab, he met the love of his life, David Furnish, at a dinner party that he held in his house. The two fell in love and entered a civil partnership in 2005. In 2014, when same-sex marriage was legalized in the UK, they got married. The couple are proud parents to two sons, Zachary 10 and Elijah 8. Both are from the same surrogate mother. In addition to his music, Sir Elton John is known for his vast philanthropic work. His Elton John AIDS Foundation, which he created shortly after Ryan White's death, is one of the largest fundraisers and advocacy groups of its kind 
worldwide. In its three decades of operations, it has raised close to $400 million to fight the good cause. His Elton John Charitable Trust makes charitable contributions outside of HIV and AIDS, and his Elton John Sports Fund supports Britain's most talented athletes from over 50 sports. But another way in which Sir Elton John has made a massive difference is by helping other celebrities who have struggled with addiction. He's actually acquired a bit of a reputation over the years as the go-to Hollywood helper for other celebrities dealing with their own addiction problems. As he once explained it, I suppose because I was a high-profile addict who turned his life around very publicly, I became somebody that my peers looked to if they had a problem. Some of the celebrities that he has helped are Donatella Versace, who struggled with cocaine, as well as Canadian artist Rufus Wainwright, who was heavily addicted to crystal meth. He has also been there to support his husband, David Furnish, when he checked into a rehab for his drinking in 2014. The famous singer even sat in with him at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting after David had finished rehab. Last but not least, he is Eminem's Alcoholics Anonymous sponsor. We recently made a video about Eminem's struggles with addiction, how he overcame them more than a decade ago, and how much of a role Elton John played in that. If you haven't checked out that one, click the link up here and I'll leave a link to it in the description if you want to see it after watching this video. You will love that one. I'd say Eminem's life story is as remarkable as a Hollywood script. Thanks for checking out the Stop Drinking podcast by Sober Clear. If you want to learn more about how we work with people to help them stop drinking effortlessly, then make sure to visit www.soberclear.com.